If you have your Bible with you today, I'd like you to open with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus. Again, we'll be in Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to focus today on verses 8 to 11, but we are going to read the whole Decalogue, the whole group of the Ten Commandments um, to begin with. But we are going to hone in on verses 8 to 11 and talk about the Fourth Commandment. And you may, uh, you may know, you may remember that we're doing a series on the Ten Commandments. And we finally made it to the midpoint. And I don't recall if I've mentioned this in this series or not. I know that I've mentioned it here before. But there are two tables of the law, so to speak. The first four commandments are on one table, you might say. And they are, uh, they are laws that govern our relationship with God. Then there is the second table of the law, the, the last six, and they govern our relationship to one another. Now, somebody has well noted that, um, that all of the moral laws of the Old Testament can be boiled down to the Ten Commandments. And so, of course, the ceremonial laws with, you know, some of the washings and, and sacrifice and stuff like that, that wouldn't apply. But the moral laws can be boiled down to the Ten Commandments, and those Ten Commandments can be boiled down to two commandments. So the first table of the law talks about our relationship with God. Jesus said the greatest commandment is what? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second command is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so the, the two tables of the law can be summed up in two commands. And so today we're going to look at the last command that deals with our relationship with God. And... and um, uh, this command is is a little bit different than the others because this one talks about keeping the Sabbath. And I say it's different because, um, it's well, there are a bunch of differences. And so what we're going to do, the way we're going to approach this, is we're going to look at the Sabbath as it was originally instituted. Then we're going to look at the way that it relates to Israel. And then we're finally going to look at the Christian's relationship to the Sabbath. Now I'm going to tell you at the outset that there is some disagreement amongst well-meaning and well-read Christians about the Sabbath. Some are what you call Sabbatarians. They believe that that uh, this commandment is still in effect, that we should worship on Saturday. Others say, no, it's, it's totally done away with. And then there are some in between and in various stripes. And so I just, want, I just want to acknowledge that there are people in different camps that are well-read. They're still brothers and sisters in Christ, but they just come down in different areas. And so I'm going to give you my understanding uh, as best as I can. And, uh, and we'll just kind of go from there. So if you found Exodus 20, I'd like you to stand with me if you're able. And we're going to pick up in verse 1. And we're going to read the Ten Commandments. It says, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not, you shall not make for yourself an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rest on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. 
You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as we begin uh, this examination of this command, we need to recognize that this is not the first time the Sabbath has appeared. This is not where the Sabbath originates. Uh, the Sabbath actually originated back in creation. And, and I, have the, uh, I have the text, Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, By the seventh day God completed His work which He had done, and rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it He rested from all His work which God had created and made. Now we need to pause here and think through this before we move on. We first need to understand why God did what He did. What was, this, what was this Sabbath day that he did? First, I want to point out that God did not do the Sabbath. He did not observe the Sabbath. He did not institute the Sabbath. He did not rest because he was tired. Now, God is omnipotent. That means he has all power. And, and when we work, when we labor, we, ex, we expend our energy. We expend our power, which is finite. And so after a while, after we've worked, we kind of run out of steam. Now, some of us used to be able to work a whole bunch. You know, we got our used to coulds. Well, I used to could do this. I used to could do that. And, and some of us can still do a good day's work. But after a while, no matter how young we are, no matter how fit we are, eventually we run out of steam. But that's not the case with God. He has all power. He has all power. He never gets tired. He created all there is and never broke a sweat. Now, I can't hardly put on my socks without breaking a sweat, but God made all that there is and never sweated a drop he wasn't tired this is not a rest from exhaustion it's a rest of completion there wasn't anything else for god to do there was nothing for god to add to his creation there was nothing for him to take away from his creation he looked at what he had made and what he say that's very good there's nothing to add nothing to subtract his work was done from the time of the creation the the creation ended to the time that god made Animal skins, animal, he clothed Adam and Eve with animal skins. Did I say animal and Eve? He clothed Adam and Eve with animal skins. Because of their sin, God rested. He didn't have any work to do. Now, now I, I want you to know, I, I can't hardly imagine that. Can you? To have your work completely done. Now, when I take a break, when I stop for a bit, I know that i got more work to do. And sometimes I know that I'm going to have to work extra to make up for the time that I've rested. But that's not the case with God. His work was completed. Second, I want you to notice that this is part of creation itself. Now, this is kind of a rule of thumb whenever you read the Bible. And you come across a command that's based not in, in, uh, not in what's going on at the time, but it's based way back in creation. That is a universal command. And so you think about times whenever like somebody came to Jesus and asked him about divorce. And Jesus answered and said that God's plan from the beginning wasn't for divorce to happen. His plan from the beginning was one man and one woman to be married for one lifetime. And so some people say, well, some of this stuff is culturally based. But when you see it's based in creation, you see that it is a universal command. And, and, and so the Sabbath is part of creation. 
there's a sense in which the Sabbath observance is universal. It's to be universal for all people. Now, the question is, why? Why did God do this? Well, the focus of the Sabbath is on God as the Creator. The focus of the Sabbath is on God as the Creator. So, one day in seven, the last day of the week, God set aside a day for people to pause and rest and commemorate what He had done. Now, as you read throughout the Scriptures, you'll notice that we have this this little incident where God institutes the Sabbath, and then it's silent about the Sabbath. Have you ever noticed that? So, so as you read through the Bible, God doesn't give commands about the Sabbath to Abraham. He doesn't give them to Noah. He doesn't talk about the Sabbath to uh, Isaac or, or Jacob or even Joseph. The next time that the Sabbath appears is in Exodus chapter 16, just a few chapters before the one we read today. And there it dealt with the collection of manna. Remember, God gave manna to his people as they were out in the wilderness. They were hungry. And he said, Six days you'll gather it. On the sixth day you'll gather twice as much as usual. And on the seventh day you'll have a Sabbath. Yeah, on the seventh day you won't do any work. And so for all those years, hundreds of years, we don't have any rules, we don't have any laws, no regulations about the Sabbath that are given in Scripture. Now unfortunately the Bible doesn't tell us how, how regularly the Sabbath was actually observed because God commanded a lot of things that they didn't do too good about observing. So we don't know how often they did it. But... When God gave the command at Mount Sinai, he modified the focus and the regulations of the Sabbath. Now, this this aspect of rest was still there, but I want you to see how Israel related to the Sabbath. Now, in the Ten Commandments, God gave his people his moral law. But even though this command about the Sabbath is in the midst of the moral law, it does not appear that it itself is a moral law. Here's what I mean. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus' disciples made some religious people mad. And so what had happened was Jesus' disciples, it was on the Sabbath, they were going through a grain field, and they got hungry. And so guess what they did? They reached out, grabbed some grain. Uh, probably it was wheat, I'm guessing, or something like that. And what they, what they would do is they would take that handful of grain, a head of wheat, for instance, and they'd rub their hands together and separate the, the grain from the chaff, and then they would blow in it, the chaff would go away, they'd have wheat left in their hand. And then they would eat that. And so the law itself in the Old Testament said you could do that. If you're going through a neighbor's field and you got hungry, you could reach in your hand and do it, but you couldn't put a sickle in. Because that would be harvesting somebody else's crop. And so they were going through the field, they were taking this grain, they were rubbing it together in their hands, and they were eating it. And these religious leaders saw what they were doing, and they said to Jesus, why are your disciples doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath? You remember what Jesus said? Now, I'm going to summarize. This is the Ozarkian Jeff version. He said, you think that's bad? Don't you remember when David, he was, he was needing some food. He went to the temple, or to the tabernacle, and he ate the bread that only the priest was supposed to eat, the show bread, the bread of the presence. He ate what only the priest was supposed to eat. And then he says... And you think that's bad, and this is, this is my uh, addition here. You think that's bad, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 5. He says, or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are not innocent? Now, why am I telling you this? I want you to, I want you to put any moral law in the place of what Jesus just said. Can you imagine Jesus looking at them and saying, have you not read in the law 
that the priests committed adultery in the temple and are innocent. Have you not read in the law that the priests in the temple steal and are innocent? Have you not read in the law that the priests in the temple commit idolatry and are innocent? None of that works. Those are moral laws. And yet Jesus says they break the Sabbath and yet are innocent. It doesn't appear that it's a moral law. And in fact, God himself in Exodus chapter 31 and verse 13 says, But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, You shall surely observe my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So the Sabbath, according to Exodus 31, is not a moral law. It's a sign. It's a sign that God gives in the midst of a covenant that he makes with his people. Now, this is not the first time God's given a sign in the covenant, is it? You think about Noah. He got off the ark. God made a covenant with Noah. And what was the sign of the Noahic covenant? Rainbow, right? God made a covenant with Abraham. And what was the sign of that covenant? Circumcision. God made a covenant with his people Israel at Sinai. What was the sign of that covenant? The Sabbath. Why? Because Exodus chapter 31 verse 13, he says, It's a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. It set them apart from the peoples around them, and it showed them that they were different because God was in their midst. It was a sign to Israel. And on top of that, it was also a reminder of where they come from. Now, think about Israel's history. Before they got out in the wilderness, where were they? They were in Egypt, working like dogs. They didn't get a day of rest. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So the Israelites were slaves. They didn't get a day of rest. And so the Sabbath, part of what it did was it was a sign that said, I am sanctifying you. I'm, I'm setting you apart from the nations. I'm in your midst. I'm doing something with you. And on top of that, this is a reminder. You didn't used to have this day of rest. You used to be slaves in the land of Egypt. And so this is a, a memorial. This is a time of rest, but also a time to reflect on what God is doing. So then the question becomes, what is our relationship as New Testament believers with the Sabbath? Because we are not Israel. Are we required to keep the Sabbath? And if so, to what end? The short answer to that is yes and no. And I'm not giving you a double speak. I, I, I'm trying to be careful and I, I'm going to try to be careful in, in the things that I say. Are we required as New Testament Christians... To keep the Sabbath? Yes and no. Why do I say that? Well, I'm going to give you a few reasons why we are not required to keep this Mosaic Sabbath that's in the Ten Commandments. Number one, we're not under law, we're under grace. We're not under the law, we're under grace. What that means is Jesus instituted a new covenant. And many times in, 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 in the churches, we get kind of hazy on the covenants. We don't think about the covenants, but in the Old Testament, it was prophesied, it was foreshadowed that God would make a new covenant with his people. In the New Testament, it was fulfilled. Jesus spoke about it in the upper room. You remember he instituted the Lord's Supper, and what did he say? In Matthew's Gospel, he said, this is my blood of what? Of the covenant that's poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
In the book of Hebrews, it talks extensively about the superiority of Christ and His sacrifice and the covenant that He made. And so Hebrews says that Jesus is superior, the covenant is superior, it has a better mediator. We have Jesus instead of Moses. It's better because it is written on tablets of the heart, not the tablets of stone. It's internal, not external. Um, it, the, the temple, with all of its practices, all of its sacrifices and so forth, are passing away. All those things show that the, the, the old way of doing things, the old covenant, what God instituted at Sinai, was being done away with because of Jesus. He instituted a new covenant, a new testament. And therefore, the requirements of the old covenant do not apply to us today. So we are free to have pork chops. We're free to have bacon. I've heard I get an amen, hallelujah on that. We're free to have catfish. Those are things that the Old Testament Israelites couldn't do. They couldn't have bacon. They couldn't have a BLT. They couldn't have a sausage, egg, and cheese uh, croissant. They had sacrifices. We don't have to do those things. All these things part of the old that are part and parcel of the old covenant have passed away. So you say, okay, well then, pastor, does that mean that we should sin so that grace may abound? What did Paul say? God forbid. He's not, the, the Bible isn't saying, and I'm not saying that, that this is some sort of antinomianism, that we're just free to do whatever we want and we'll just trust that God will forgive us. The New Testament tells us how to live as believers. What's interesting is while we are not under the law, nine of the Ten Commandments are reinforced and repeated in the New Testament. Guess which one is not reinforced and repeated in the New Testament as being binding on Christians? Observance of the Sabbath. When the Sabbath is mentioned in the epistles, it's clear it's not binding because, and, and we have the text that, that should be up on the screen, Colossians chapter 2, verses, verse 16 says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink, dietary things, or in respect to a festival or a new moon or what? A Sabbath day. So the first reason that we are not obligated to observe the Mosaic Sabbath is because we're under grace, not under, under law. Secondly, and I just mentioned this, keeping the Sabbath is never commanded in the New Testament. There are no warnings about breaking the Sabbath. There are no regulations concerning you can do this work and not this work. None of that is a command in the New Testament. Number three, at the Jerusalem Council in the book of Acts, the apostles met together. Because remember, Christianity started out as being a very Jewish movement. And all of a sudden we have these Gentiles that are coming in, people that didn't have the Old Testament law, and they're becoming Christians. And so then the great question is, do they have to keep any of the Old Testament laws to be Christians? And so there are people like the Judaizers who said, yeah, they've got to go through all the stuff that we had to in the Old, Old Testament stuff, all the Old Covenant things, circumcision, the whole nine yards. They've got to do that to be a Christian. And so the apostles met together at, at, uh, at Jerusalem. They had a council. They said, what is it that the Gentiles must do as believers? Now, if there's ever a perfect time to say the Sabbath is one of the Old Testament things that they need to do, this is it, right? Guess what? Crickets regarding the Sabbath. Nothing is said about Gentiles needing to keep the Sabbath. Number four, Jesus never commanded his people to keep the Sabbath. In fact, he brought an end to the old way of doing things, the old covenant, with all of its practices, all of its festivals. He brought those things to an end. 
Now, one of the main things that he did is he would, in, in his ministry, he would challenge the religious leaders about things that were happening on the Sabbath. And one of the things he would do is he would heal people on the Sabbath. And so there'd be a man with a withered hand, or there'd be a, a, a man that, with all kinds of different, there was a man that was paralyzed, and Jesus said, uh, he healed him and said, take up your pallet and walk. That made the religious leaders mad. He, he did all these things to challenge them and made them very upset. And here's how, here's how, how some of these religious leaders balked at what Jesus was doing. Luke chapter 13 and verse 14. Here's how callous they were. But the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, so he's not praising God, he's not saying, thank you, Lord, this has happened, this is a miracle. He began saying to the crowd in response, there are six days in which work should be done, so come during them and get healed and not on the Sabbath day. So what, what had happened was the rabbis had made man subservient to the Sabbath. They had made the Sabbath, which was meant to be a gift, it was meant to be a time of rest, relaxation, reflection on what God had done. They had made so many rules and regulations that, that they had taken the, the joy and the pleasure out of the Sabbath. And so they came up with all these rules and say, you can go this many steps, this distance, on the Sabbath no further. They said, you can carry something that weighs, I, I can't remember all the rules, you can, you can carry something that weighs as much as a fig or something like that in your pocket, but you can't carry, for instance, a mat. So when this, so when this man picked up his mat to walk, that was a violation in their mind of the Sabbath. They had taken the joy, the pleasure, the gift, the benefit out of the Sabbath. And what did Jesus say? He said, so the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And as the Lord of the Sabbath, he could institute it as he did in creation. He could modify it. He could even abolish it as he did when he instituted the new covenant. Fifth, the Sabbath was a sign. The fifth reason we are not obligated to, to observe the Mosaic Sabbath is because it was a sign. It was a sign first to Israel, but as Colossians 2 said, and, and you can... You can see it up there. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Verse 17, things which are what? A mere shadow of what's to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. In other words, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there are types. There are foreshadowings. And those things point ahead to Jesus. And Paul says in, in Colossians that, that the Sabbath points ahead to the rest we find in Jesus. How so? Well, for one, it points to the eternal rest that those of us who are believers will one day experience in heaven. But number two, and more to the point here, is as the late Dr. Adrian Rogers pointed out, there are only two religions in the world. Say, so now I don't know about that. I can think of five or six off the top of my head. There are two there's do and there's done. All the other religions of the world, except for Christianity, is a do religion. They say you got to do this to get to heaven. You have to work this. You have to observe this. You have to make this pilgrimage. You have to go to these festivals. You have to uh, keep your nose clean. You have to go to church this many times. You have to have faith plus do these things. There's do and then there's done. And in Christ, we can rest from our religious labor, from trying to earn our way to heaven because we can't do that. It's been done. Everything that needs to be done for us to get to heaven was done on the cross by Jesus. Now, I said the answer to the question is of are Christians 
required, are we obligated to observe the Sabbath? I said the answer to that is yes and no. So far I've only given you the no. But there's a sense in which the principle of the Sabbath is still in practice today. Because what I say, if something is instituted at creation, it's a universal it's a universal thing. And so the principle of having one day a week, one day in seven, set aside to rest, to worship, to reflect on God and what He's done, that is a principle that is still in effect. Now that looks different from the Old Testament Sabbath that Israel observed. Because it's not assigned to us like it was to Israel. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't remind us that we used to be slaves in Egypt. We don't have all the rules and regulations about it. It has different significance. Because what, what we, the way that we do it today is through what the Bible calls the Lord's Day. The first day of the week. Whereas this original Sabbath that God instituted in creation, it calls us to reflect on what God did in creation. The Lord's Day... What we as, as New Testament believers should be doing when we corporately worship God and, and we rest from our labors, it doesn't cause us to think so much about what God did in creation, but what Christ did on the cross. Not so much about Him as Creator, but Him as Redeemer. Not, about, not so much about creation, but Him as uh, instituting recreation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Now, suffice it to say that if, if you are a Christian, you should have a day set aside each week to rest and to worship God, and that's the Lord's Day. You say, well, shouldn't we do it on Saturday? Well, Romans 14 says, you do it on Saturday, you do it on Sunday. It's, whichever day you choose is not the important thing. The important thing is that you, that's, that's an issue of Christian liberty. The important thing is that you have that day to rest and worship. Folks, we don't have to work and strive and labor to get to heaven. We don't get to heaven by keeping the Old Testament Sabbath or anything else. If you try to work your way to heaven, you'll just go to hell tired. You're not going to get to heaven by the things that you do. Jesus has done everything that's needed when he died on the cross. Jesus paid it all, is the song that we sing. He paid for the sin of everybody that would trust in him. It was a real payment. Now, I spent a lot of time talking about the negative side of things, about how we're not obligated to keep the, the, the Mosaic Sabbath that's laid out here in the Ten Commandments, and instead we have the Lord's Day. I'm going to take next week to talk about the Lord's Day, because that deserves more than you know two minutes worth of talking. Because that's, that's where we are today. But listen, this, even, even though that's the case, this is a good reminder for us as Christians that Jesus did it all. And we can rest in Him. Because you didn't earn your salvation with your works. You don't keep your salvation with your works. Salvation is of the Lord. And, 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 just because, and because of what He did, what did Jesus say? He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and while I do, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. You're, you're trying to work your way into heaven? No, come to Jesus and He will give you rest. As Christians, sometimes we think, well, I've, I got in, and now i got to keep myself in. No. If you count on yourself to keep yourself saved, you're, not gonna be, you're, you're gonna be sorely mistaken on Judgment Day. Because there are lots of times that we fall short. But Jesus 
says, find rest in me. The Sabbath. Have you ever noticed when you actually take that day of rest, how refreshing that is? Sometimes we say, well, I wish I had about 18 days of rest. I could, I could use about a month of rest. I could use a, sure use a lot of time when I just relax and not work. But listen, when we have that day, it gives us time to stop, catch our breath. We start out the day, or we start out the week, rather, and, and we've been refreshed. That is a tiny glimpse of the rest that awaits us in heaven. The joy of taking that vacation, of, of that complete rest, or as much as you can. Some of us have a hard time taking a break. But as much as you can, that's a glimpse of that rest that we'll experience in heaven. Why? Not because of what we've done. Not because we've kept the law, but because of what Jesus did. He kept the law. He died in our place, and, and his, his righteousness is credited to us. It may be that you're a Christian here and, and you've been trying to, 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 to keep yourself saved. You can't do it. It may be that you're not a Christian. And you've been trying to work your way to heaven. You can't do it. Like I said, you'll just go to hell tired. Because all your righteous deeds are as filthy rags. But the Bible says there remains a rest for the people of God. And if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, if you've never laid down your work, your effort, all your good deeds... You laid it at the foot of the cross and said, this isn't going to cut it. I cast myself on you and your mercy. If you've never turned from your sin, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you're not going to heaven. But the Bible says that if you will do that, it says, while it's still called today, don't harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Turn from your sin and trust in Christ. Once you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, as you bow your heads and close your eyes. Again, I, I try to be careful in making distinctions. Are we obligated to, to keep the Mosaic command of the Sabbath? The answer to that is no. We're not under law. We're under grace. But that does not mean that we're free to just do whatever we want. The principle is there. It's built into creation to stop, to rest, to reflect on God as creator, in the Christian context of the Lord's Day, to meet together corporately, to worship, to think of Christ as Redeemer, Christ as Savior. Sometimes we, we talk to people, and so oh, I don't go to church. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian? Nope. It's true. You don't have to have a parachute on, jump out of an airplane either, but it helps. You got to go to church to be an obedient Christian. 
Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. Is that day of rest and worship and reflection on God, is that a priority for you? Or is it seen as an optional thing in your life? Our Heavenly Father, it's so easy to slip into that legalism that the Pharisees got into. The other religious leaders, as they looked at these commands that were meant to be given as a gift, that were to benefit mankind, and to heap so many requirements and and regulations on those things that it steals the the benefit of the gift. Lord, help us not to go to that extreme that we um, that we try to make man serve the Sabbath. It was it was made for us, not us for it. Help us to remember that. But Lord, at the same time, help us to not get so lax in in uh, in those things that we don't take advantage of the gift that you've given. God, I pray that you'd help each of us to uh, make this time of rest more of a priority. Make this time to, to gather together corporately and worship you more of a priority. This this recognition that we can't work our way into heaven or keep ourselves saved, a priority, but we can rest in you. And we look forward to the rest that you provide. And God, if there's somebody here who's never accepted Christ as their Savior and they're, they're just working to get to heaven, help them to realize they can't do it. Help them to come to Jesus and find rest for their souls. Help them come to Jesus to find him the perfect Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.